Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us, this just beautiful, gorgeous day outside. Lord, we thank you for the good weather. Lord, we know that there's storms on the way, but Lord, that you are the one that brings us through those storms. Lord, we thank you for the rain. We thank you for blessing us with so many things that we don't deserve. Lord, I pray over the word this morning that as it goes out, Lord, as we begin to talk about the things that you have given us, as we talk about who we are as a church, as Christians, how we identify, Lord, and what it is you've gifted us with. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, I pray that everyone who hears these words would be impacted by your holy presence. I pray that everyone who hears, the, hears these words, Lord, that they would, they, would, they would not be satisfied with media, mediocre Christianity. Lord, that they would be only satisfied with knowing and feeling your presence and power. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, two weeks ago, last week was Mother's Day, right? It was two weeks ago, right? <laughs> last week was graduations. And then two weeks ago was Mother's Day. And the mothers did such a great job sharing, right? And the week before, I get my calendar mixed up sometimes, we started talking about identity and who we are. We talked about that we are spirit-filled Christians. That we are Christians that are filled with the Spirit. That we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, we believe in being filled with His power. Amen? We talked about what is Pentecostal, Spirit-filled Christianity. A lot of times when we think of the word Pentecostal, we may get images in our head of Ladies having, wearing their hair in, in tight buns and wearing dresses down to their ankles and, and picking up snakes and, you know. How many ever, how many ever seen that? No, but when we think, of, we think of Pentecostal Christianity, we think of old school Pentecostal holiness. No TV, no movies, no, 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 no nothing. You sit there and love the Lord. <laughs> Right? Old school. When we talk about spiritual Christianity, we want you to live your lives but full of the Spirit. We want you to live your lives full of the Spirit. So we talked about what is it. And it brings us to Acts in chapter 1. And it says this. On one occasion, while he or Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We talked about what that power meant. Power is the word dunamis in the Greek. Dunamis power. It's where we get the word dynamite from. It's explosive power. It's 
spirit-filled Christianity should be filled with explosive power in your life. Amen? Spirit-filled Christianity shouldn't be just, well, you know, I'm coming to a church, I sit in a chair, I sit in a pew, and I go home and live my life. I go to work, I get up, I go to sleep, I go up, go to work, go to sleep, eat a meal, play with my kids, play with my wife. This is just... Just normal living out your life Christianity, and once in a while I'll acknowledge Jesus. I'll acknowledge him when I pray over my meal. Is that good enough? No, spirit-filled Christianity is being led by the Spirit in your life. It is being, it is being overwhelmed by his presence in your life. Yes, we go about our days, and yes, we have our things that we have to do. We have chores and jobs and, and families to take care of. and all. The, but, but in the middle of, the, of that, it is surrounded by the Spirit. We are focused on His presence. Spirit-filled Christianity should be filled with power to be baptized we talked about Pentecost and, and what that was in the upper room experience. We, we said it was 50 days from the resurrection. To be baptized in his power is to be filled with the very presence of God. And of course, we talked about what it meant to be baptized. It wasn't just a sprinkle. It wasn't just a little teardrop coming off your eye. To be baptized was to be filled to overflowing with his presence. There's a lot of people this morning that, that maybe, maybe they're not here. Maybe they're just over podcast. I don't, I don't want to preach to those who are here this morning. Do I? Do I want to preach to those who are here this morning or do I just want to preach out to the ethos out there somewhere? I want to preach here, right? So there's people that will say, well, Pastor David, I'm lacking in power in my life. Pastor David, I'm lacking in spirit-filled power. What's going on? I will say it this way. Where there is a lack of prayer, usually there's a lack of power. Where there is a lack of prayer, usually there's a lack of power. You say, Pastor David, don't step on my toes too much. I don't want to step on toes, but I want to make it clear. We, we can't just go throughout our lives on autopilot and expect the Spirit of God just to invade and take us over. We have to surrender ourselves to him. We have to give ourselves over to him. We have to constantly pursue his presence. If we are not constantly pursuing his presence, then why in the world would we expect to feel it? I mean, I, I want intimacy with him. One pastor said it this way, that God is like a father playing hide-and-go-seek with his child. And that God will be kind of, maybe, maybe how many ever play hide-and-go-seek with your kids? And you know, when you go play hide-and-go-seek with your kids, you can't hide where they will never see you, right? So you, so, so, all right. You go play hide-and-go-seek with your kids sometimes, right? Not anymore. You played with Jeremiah last week, you told me. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> when they're little kids, you play hide-and-go-seek, 
And because you want them to find you, you kind of put your foot out a little bit. You kind of, you, you get behind the curtain, but your, your foot's sticking out. You're, you're behind the chair, but they can kind of see you. God is right there with his foot sticking out. He just wants you to go looking. He just wants you to go searching. He just wants you to get to that place where, God, I'm looking for intimacy with you. I'm looking to have an experience with God. I can't be satisfied with mediocre Christianity anymore. I can't be satisfied with that. We get, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in our lives. It's easy. It's, it's very easy just to slip into a schedule. To slip into autopilot, just got to get up, go to work, come home, eat, sleep, get up, go to work, eat, sleep. I mean, that's just, that's what we do. It's easy to slip into that without thinking, have I pursued him today? Have I pursued him today? Have I gotten into my word this morning? Have I gotten into my prayer closet this week? Have I, have I, have I pursued him Dunamis power. It's not a tickle. It's not just, oh Lord, I, th I thank you, Lord. I felt your presence today. How many ever been there? Thank you, Lord. I felt your presence today. Oh, hallelujah. No, it is, thank you, Lord. I am overwhelmed by your presence. I can't help but tell people what has happened in my life. Spirit-filled power will lead you to witness to those around you. How do I know? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. In that area, it was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth probably includes Estherville, Iowa. Right? The ends of the earth probably includes Spirit Lake, Iowa. The ends of the earth probably includes Sherburn. The ends... It probably is the ends of the earth. <laughs> I'm, just, no, I'm, just I'm just kidding. It's kind of out there. <laughs> no. But the ends of the earth. You know, I'm just joking. People that live there, it's all right. <laughs> all the mans are like, never come back. <laughs> the ends of the earth. We are called to be witnesses. Amen? That was just an overview of last, of two weeks ago. Three weeks ago now. Our main theme I want to talk about today, when we talk about our identity, we want to talk about who we are as Christians, what we believe. Our main theme today, and we are going to be starting a, our series is in identity, but this is going to be kind of a sub-series of that entitled The Gifts of the Spirit. The Gifts of the Spirit. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit... We're going to talk about one today. You say, well, Pastor David, which one are you going to talk about? You know, uh, some people would say, can you talk about tongues? Can you talk about tongues? Can you talk about, uh, it's probably the most controversial of gifts, I would say. It's probably the most talked about gift, I would say. It's probably the most discussed gift, I would say. 
Well, I will say this. In between now and the end of this sub-series of the gifts of the Spirit, I will address specifically the gift of tongues. But I'm not going to tell you when it's going to be, which means you have to be here every week, and if you miss it, you miss it. Unless it's on podcast, I've shot myself in the foot once again. (laughs) The gifts of the Spirit. I want to be very careful about this because this can be a daunting subject for a lot of people. The gifts of the Spirit. It can be daunting. In our study, we will go over the primary gifts of the Spirit. But I want you to understand something that's very important. I want to mention this, that the gifts of the Spirit that are listed in Scripture are not an exhaustive list of the gifts that God has given us. Paul mentions the gifts here that were familiar to the Corinthian church. So when we're, we're going to go into 1 Corinthians, and Paul mentions the gifts that were familiar to the Corinthian church. Then he also lists other gifts in Romans, as well as the fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned in Galatians. With all the different gifts and fruits, and you can see why it could be confusing for some people. You can see why it could be a little convoluted. So I want to intentionally go through this study of the gifts of the Spirit and focus on one, maybe two at once. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I want there to be clarity in order for me to best communicate what the gifts of the Spirit are. Before we get into the gifts of the Spirit, I want to speak about being filled with the Spirit. We just talked about it just a little bit, being filled with the Spirit. How many would say, I have been filled with the Spirit? Don't raise your hands. You say, Pastor David, I have been filled with the Spirit. Years ago, I prayed a prayer, and I was filled with the Spirit. I want to point something out very clear, that being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event. It's not a one-time event. It's not, I prayed a prayer when I was six years old on a winter night in Michigan, and I was filled with the Spirit, which is what happened with me. But it was not a one-time event. I had to be continually filled. I had to be continually poured into. It is not a one-time event. We are be, as it is poured out of you, you need to be refilled. Amen? As it is pulled out of you, You have to be refilled. How is it poured out of you and how is it pulled out of you? Those are two distinct questions. How is it poured out of you is when you are giving in to what the Spirit wants you to do. When the Spirit directs you to do something that you are pouring your life into people, that you are discipling people, that you are pouring this teaching out of of you into people. You are pouring this word of encouragement out of you into people. You are pouring this prophecy out of you into people. You are pouring the gift that's in you into people. That is how you pour out. Then there is a pulling out. You know what a pulling out is? That is when the person gets by you and they're just hungry. 
they're just hungry and you have some knowledge and you have some skill and you've, you've you got some prayer under your belt and you got some you're moving and and they're just they're just well I want to talk about this and I want to talk about that and even though you might not be prepared for it you're saying okay well let's talk about this and let's talk about that and and now it's not so much a matter of you pouring into them it's a matter of them pulling it out of you they're pulling it out of you And so you need to be filled again. You need to be filled to overflowing again. We talk about being filled with the Spirit. Being filled to overflowing with the Spirit. That is where we are effective in our lives, to where what is being ministered to people is out of the overflow, not out of the emptiness of our jars. Can I say it again? The only way we are going to be effective in ministering to people is when we are pouring out of our overflow, not out of the little emptiness of our jars. Being filled with the Spirit is to continually be filled. It is not a one-time event. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In the original Greek, by the way, the phrase to be filled with the Spirit is what's called a present tense verb. How many know anything about English? It's a present tense verb. (laughs) Which means... He chose the present tense to denote that the filling of the Holy Spirit was not a one-time event, but a continual experience in our Christian walk. It is to be a continual experience. Lord, fill my life. Fill me to overflowing, not so that I can hold it in, but so I can pour it out. Not so that you can hold it in and walk high and say, I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm a Spirit-filled Christian. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me speak in tongues and show you how it's done. And that's, a lot of times in the church, that's where we've gotten stuck. I'm a Spirit-filled Christian. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so you're walking around with our head in a cloud. You're, you're, you're so heavenly-minded. You're of no earthly good. When we are filled to overflowing, it is so we can pour out our lives into people who are desperate for a touch and a move of God. When we are just scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to give them something, we are hurting ourselves and them. We need to be filled with the Spirit. The gifts. The gifts of the Spirit. And I know we're taking a little time in getting there, but I want to explain some things about the gifts. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we are specifically, by the way, well, we'll get into some of the gifts, not all of the gifts, but let's talk about some of the gifts just a minute. How many, how many would know what are the gifts of the Spirit? 
You can go ahead and raise your hand. You know, the gifts of the Spirit. How many say, well, I know some of them, I don't know all of them? It's okay. When we talk about the gifts, we're going to talk about probably nine specific gifts. But there are other gifts. Well, we will talk about those things as well. When I talk about the gifts, it is, you know, this is not wrapped or anything. But it's a nice little package, right? If someone is crying, Eric, you never cry. <laughs> what, Jenny? No. If I decided to give you a gift, would you receive it? Are you sure? Hmm. Eric, I want to give you a gift. And what are you going to do with it? Hopefully, use it. If God has, God has given us gifts, amen? Here you go. God has given us gifts. He gave me the gift to catch that just now. God has given us gifts, but he doesn't give, give us gifts just to sit there. How, how, how many parents have ever given your child a gift, and it's you wrap it nicely, and you put a nice bow on it, and they open it, and they go, oh, thanks, Mom and Dad. And it sits there. How many have ever been there? <laughs> it's a gift, and it just sits there. You... You put some money into it. I remember, oh man, you all know how, well, I don't know how it is here, but when I was in Georgia, it was Black Friday, and I think it was Thanksgiving night that Walmart decided to open its doors, and there were crowds and crowds and crowds of people there. And I thought, man, I want to get Jocelyn this nice little present, that, or a nice present. It was like this electric little scooter thing. And it was on sale, and it was only on sale during these hours, and it was a door buster, you know, Thanksgiving after Black Friday, whatever. So I stood in line. And I'm not kidding you, it was the biggest crowd I've ever seen in any store. I was trying to break through the line, and they're trying to break each other's arms, getting the $2 DVDs, and I mean, they're, they're, they're just trying to get through everybody, and I'm waiting in line for this gift, and I get the gift. It's now 2 in the morning. I get the gift. I'm like, yes, I'm so proud I got the gift, and I get it, and I bring it home, and just for some reason, we had to go to Walmart that Sunday. And wouldn't you know it, I walk over there, and that stupid thing was on the same price, sitting there, just nobody was around, store was empty, people walking around, looking around, and I could have gotten it then. But I put a lot of effort into getting this gift. So on Christmas morning, I wrap it, I think I wrapped it, maybe you wrapped it, she opens it, she gets excited about it. I don't think she used it once, maybe twice. It was too big, for, whatever. 
I was so disappointed. I was like, I'm never going to Walmart again on Thanksgiving because it is not worth it. I stuck to that promise this last year. I go to Walmart. Praise the Lord. You know what it's like as a parent when you give a gift and your child just puts it there. We're going to put this in the pile of the to be returned. (laughs) It doesn't feel that great. But when we are talking about gifts, I want to talk about this. It's to you. We we are to use the gift. Now, these gifts, they are not, you know, we talk about there are some people that have natural ability, natural talent. That's not what we're talking about here. There's people that have natural talent. There's people that are talented in sports. People talented in music. There's people that are, have, natural, have natural inclinations towards being a great teacher or being a great doctor or being a great lawyer. That's not what we're talking about. There's some people that have a natural gifting for speaking. There's some people that have a natural gifting for music. There's some people that have a natural gifting for those things. Just a natural is part of them. They're God-given talents, God-given abilities, but we're not talking about the spiritual gifts. And I want to say this. Sometimes people confuse their natural gifting with the spiritual gifting. Hear, hear me clearly. You will have an engaging speaker, but he will lack in Holy Spirit power. But he will. Uh, <laughs> there will be an engaging speaker, but he will lack in Holy Spirit power. There will be a talented musician, but they will lack in Holy Spirit anointed power. When they start speaking under the anointing, when they start playing under the anointing, that is when they are pouring themselves out. I have a friend. He's an amazing drummer. In fact, he will be here in two weeks. His name is Joel Cisneros. And he has ministry that he does to Peru and does all sorts of different ministry. He'll be here in two weeks. But Joel Cisneros can play the drums like no one's business. He will sit on the back and, I mean, he just will play. He has natural gifting and ability to play the drums. But there's a difference, and he can tell the difference between playing the drums in his own ability and playing the drums under the anointing. And you think, well, what's the difference? And I want to say it this way. I'm going to use a drum here. Is that okay, Austin? If I am speaking, and I naturally I've, I've always been able to speak. It hasn't been a big deal for me. But there's a difference between me speaking and speaking under the anointing. And so, as well, with Joel, when he was playing the drums, there was a difference between him playing the drums and his natural ability, which was very good, and playing the drums under the anointing. So now, when he hits a drum, it makes a sound. When he hits a cymbal, it makes a sound. And when he puts together the drums and the cymbals, it makes good sounds, amen. But when he's playing under the anointing, when you are moving under the anointing, when you are moving in the spirit of God, when you hit the cymbal, now the cymbal, the sound of the cymbal is causing healing to go into somebody's life. Now, when he goes and hits the drum, now somebody just got set free from addiction in Jesus' name. Do you understand the difference between playing 
by yourself and playing in the spirit. The difference between singing in your own ability and singing in the spirit. The difference between doing your work at work under your own ability and doing it with a spirit-filled attitude and doing it under the anointing. There is a difference. You are pouring yourself out. I'd be willing to bet there's, there's men of God here and men of God and women of God in this community that as they are farming, they are praying over their farm. That they are praying over their harvest. That as it goes out, it doesn't just go out because it's corn and it's wheat and it's whatever. It doesn't just go out as food, it goes out as blessed food. It goes out as, you think it's funny, it goes out as blessed beef. I want some of that. <laughs> I'm not just doing things in my own ability. I have to do things by the Spirit of God. If I'm not doing things by the Spirit of God, I will pick up the drumstick later. I apologize. If I'm not doing things under the Spirit of God, I am wasting my time. I'm laughing because I'm looking at my point in a few points here, and it talks about a symbol and a gong. We'll get into that. The gifts are not natural talents. These are things that God has blessed you with. These are things that these these are. We want to talk about spiritual gifts. That we're not talking about natural talent. We're talking about moving in the anointing of God. The second thing is this. The gifts are irrevocable. What does that mean? Irrevocable. They cannot be taken away. Once God has gifted you with it, it's yours. It's yours. I will say this, though. There are people who forget how to use their gift. They still have the gift. The Bible says, uh, go to the next slide. Uh, nope, go back. <laughs> Got it right here. Uh, Romans eleven twenty nine that the gifts and callings are irrevocable. The gifts and callings in your life. God has called you to be a missionary. He has always called you to be a missionary. If God has called you to be a pastor, he has always called you to be a pastor. If God has called you to be an evangelist, he has always called you to be an evangelist. There's callings on your life. There's gifts on your life. Some people have a gift of the ministry of helps. It's just always been on their lives. Some people have a gift of healing. Some people have a gift of, we're going to talk about today, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. And we're going to get into the different gifts. But those things are given to you and they are irrevocable. They cannot be taken away. But the gifts are for a purpose. What is the purpose for the gifts? Number one, for the edification, lifting up, or the encouragement of the church. The gifts are given to lift up, to to encourage, to edify the church. Go to the next slide. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, Try to excel in those that build up the church. 
that build up the church. Just so you know, in 1 Corinthians alone, the words edify and profit are used eight times in relationship to the gifts. We are to edify. They are to build up the church. They are to encourage the church. Why are they, why are they supposed to encourage the church? Not so we can just keep doing church as normal. They're not just to build us up so that we can have, oh, thanks, we can, go out of, we can go out on Sunday and feel good about ourselves. No, we are to lift up and edify the church so we can minister to this community. We are to be lifted up to edify the church. The gifts of the Spirit are used to edify, to encourage, to profit, to lift up, not so that we can be lifted up so, that, so we can pour out. Not so we can be lifted up but so that we can be poured out. Try to excel in those that build up the church. The next point about the gifts is this, and this is the most important one. They are to be used in love. They are to be used in love. Pastor David, why do you say that? Go to the next scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 2. If I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, and we'll get into speaking in tongues. That's not what we're going into right now. But if I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. If I don't have love, I am nothing. This can be a struggle. This can be a struggle. Why? Because we're human. We're fallible. There's times where I know I don't always respond in love. I know it. There's times where... You, what was that song? You had a bad day. <laughs> Such a stupid song. American Idol played it for a lot of years. But you just had a bad day. And now you're expected to go and minister to people and you want to go minister and you want to pour out, but you are stuck in yourself, in your situation. And so when you pour out, you're not pouring out out of God's love. You're just pouring out out of yourself. And it's not always done in love. The key to the gifts is to do it in love. If I don't have love, I am nothing. The last thing is we are to earnestly pray for these gifts. We're to earnestly pray for them. We're to seek them. We're to earnestly ask God for them. But I want you to keep in mind the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 30. Are all apostles... Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The answer would be no. There's an indication there. That of course, no, not all our apostles. Not all our prophets. Not all our teachers. Not all work miracles. Not all have gifts of healing. Not all speak in tongues. Not all interpret. Paul says, I wish that you would all speak in tongues, and we'll get into that. But not 
not a, we, we, we are not encompassing of all the gifts. There are some people that have a gift of healing. There are some people that have a gift of prophecy. There are some people that move in as a prophet. You may not have all the gifts, but you will at least have a gift. Amen? But when you are given the gift, Eric, it is to be used. We are to pray for them. We are to seek them, but we are not to be envious of them. First, First Corinthians 12 and 20 says this. This is kind of a long one, so please bear with me. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Go to the next one. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, can you see the humor in this? Think about, I mean, the, the, he uses humor in his writing, and he says, if the whole body, think about it, if your whole body was an ear. So he makes, he, he puts out this kind of humorous anecdotal thing, and if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And then go to verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. You may have a gifting of speaking and other other people have a gifting of helps and other people have a gift of healing and other people have a gift of the word of knowledge and other people have a gift of this and a gift of that but the fact is that if you have the mouthpiece of God it's very difficult to be the mouthpiece of God without somebody having ears to hear it's very difficult, and so if you're, I, I like the, the, what's used here and saying, well, you know, some people are his hands and feet. Some people are his mouthpiece. Some people are his ears to listen to what the Spirit wants to say. We're going to get into that in just a second. You have a gifting in your life, and you may desire for the gifts. You may push for, you may pray for, but it's ultimately up to God to decide whether or not he gives you those gifts. It is important to recognize the gift within you and use it fully until he gives you another. And then you use them in conjunction. But there should be no schism in the body that the members should have the same care of one another. There, there should be no schism in the body. What does that mean? It means, what's that? Division. Don't fight amongst yourselves because one's a mouthpiece and one's an ear. 
Don't fight amongst yourselves because one sees clearly in the spirit and you're jealous because you're an ear and you only hear things sometimes. There should be no schism. Don't look on those, don't look down on those with different giftings. See, here's the problem in the church. We will get people that have the gift of prophecy or have the, the, the gift of tongues and they will give a tongue and somebody else will interpret it or they will give the gift of prophecy. They will speak with the words of the Lord, but they have no idea when it comes to helps. They have no idea when it comes to helps. Or they, they're, able to, they're able to use the gifting that God has given them in giving the word of the Lord, but they have no wisdom in their own natural life. That's a problem. We will examine the differences and, you know, we have to let your strength fix my weakness. My strength to fix your weakness. And we balance each other out because there's giftings Eric has that I don't have. There's giftings that I have that Rhonda may not have, but there's giftings Rhonda has that I don't have. And so we balance each other out and we help lift each other up. Amen? The last thing I want to talk about before we get into the gifts is there is a difference between a calling and a gift. You say, Pastor David, what are the callings? There are callings and there are gifts. Usually the callings are to an office. There is an office, the office of the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, or the evangelist. There's five offices, and those are, these, these would be the main or primary offices or callings. There's some people that feel called to be a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher. And those who are called will certainly operate in gifts that God has blessed them with. But there is a difference. God may let you operate in prophecy, but it doesn't mean that he's called you to be a prophet. There is a difference between one who operates in prophecy and a prophet. The office of the prophet, the calling of the prophet, is usually someone that has the ears of the leaders of a region or a nation. A true prophet, biblically, will have the ears of the leaders of a region or the nation. But there are some that are used in the gift of prophecy. We'll get into the differences later on. But now I want to focus. We have just a little bit of time, and I want to focus on the first gift that we will cover. This first gift. It's taken a while to get there, but we're here. The gift is called... The word of wisdom. Gift number one, the word of wisdom. I am not numbering these gifts based on their importance, by the way. I'm not basing them, I'm only basing them based on scripture and what's mentioned first. The word of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom, Pastor David? The word of wisdom is this. It is a supernatural utterance at a given moment that discloses or lets us see God's mind, will, and purpose for a specific situation. 
That is a word of wisdom. It is a supernatural. It's not natural. It is a supernatural. It's the Spirit of God speaking through you that some people have this gifting. That the Spirit of God speaks through them at given moments to enable us to see God's mind, will, and purpose in regards to a specific situation. You say, well, Pastor David, how would this work? Let's say there's a situation happening inside the church where there was struggle, where there was, there was a decision to be made. There was, I don't know what it, what, what it would be. But let's say it was a decision that needed to be made. And it was, towards, it was about, let's say, the future of the building or whatnot. And I'm just making something up right now, but that's okay. So we are about to make this heavily important decision. But God would give somebody a word of wisdom to speak through the Spirit of God and enabled us to know exactly what God's thoughts were on our decision. Exactly what God's thoughts were on our situation. Exactly what, and so these people that use, that are gifted with the word of wisdom, there's times where they are speaking into your life, and it's important that you stop getting distracted by everything else, and you hear what the Spirit of God wants to say to you. The word of wisdom. Go to Acts chapter 6, verse 8 through 10. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, freed men, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and, and Asia. We don't need to worry about that stuff. Here's what we have to argue. Here's what we have to, here's what we have to worry about or what we're looking at, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. When you are gifted with the word of wisdom, you will be able to speak wisdom into people's lives that they cannot stand up against. They cannot stand up against it. James 3 and 17 says this. I want to say this before we go into the scripture. The operation of the word of wisdom is providing for the Spirit's guidance. Usually, and I want to say this very clearly, usually people who operate in this gift are slow to speak. For they know that their words have meaning and they carry a weight to them. Some people want to claim this gift, but in truth, they just have an opinion about everything and can't wait to let everybody know what that opinion is. They want to claim to have a word of wisdom. No, you got a word of blabbermouth is what you got. Come on. How many know that? Well, I got a word for you. No, you don't. You got a word for yourself. Keep it to it. Come on. There's times where people will claim, well, I got a word for you, brother. Do me a favor. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> if it's for me, I'll read it later. But I want to say this. If, you're, if, if you, you say, well, Pastor David, I, I, I believe that I'm gifted with this. 
James 3 and, 1 and 17 says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure, and then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's impartial and sincere. The Holy Spirit gives some the gift of wisdom to not only impart the truth and understanding to believers, but to invoke a response of holiness and worship lived out in the world among God's people. Wisdom doesn't end with knowledge, but it is expressed in transforming hearts and lives. Now, I want to say this. this is very, I want to make this very clear. You say, Pastor David, do I have this gift? Is, is this something that... Those with the gift of wisdom have a deep understanding of the holiness of God and the lack of holiness in their own hearts. They can recognize this in others as well, and they have compassion and boldness to share truth with them. They are able to take from their own life experiences and share what God has taught them through those things. They can easily recognize when a decision or an action may lead to harm or it would be unfruitful. They can often see through the confusion of a situation and can give direction that would help an individual or group obtain a God-glorifying goal. The word of wisdom. Seek the gifts. Earnestly pray for the gifts. And thank God for the gifts that he has given you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the teaching this morning. Lord, I pray that each person who, would hear, who has heard these words, either in the audience here or over podcast, Lord, that your spirit would just speak directly to them. Lord, that there's people who operate in your gifts. Lord, that we would operate in the gifts that you have gifted us with, that we would not just hold them or put them off to the side, but Lord, that we would use them. Lord, that we would use them in love. Lord, I pray over each person here that you would reveal to them the gifting inside them. Lord, that you would strengthen them in that gift. Lord, that ultimately their goal would not be seeking a gift, but seeking the giver. Lord, I pray that their goal would be to have intimacy with your presence. For their spirit to be filled to overflowing. That they would pour out of themselves into others. Lord, we pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, and Lord, that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen.